Hello, hello everybody. This is Dr. Eeks and I'm your host of Causes or Cures. I hope you guys are doing okay. Thank you so much for joining in for this episode. On this episode of Causes or Cures, I will be chatting with a scientist, a researcher, Dr. Chaya Gunapruk, about his new study on intermittent fasting, which is sometimes called IF. If you are, if you dabble in wellness, in the world of wellness at all, you'll hear IF all the time. IF, do you do IF? I do IF. Um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a fun term. Anyhow, his study was published in JAMA Network, which of course is a, a great medical journal. I was excited about this one because I practice intermittent fasting, or IF. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I started doing it maybe three years ago, and I just, I really liked it. I liked the way it made me feel, um, all of that. But of course, you know, I'm an anecdote, so it's really good to read his study and get the science to support my personal experience. That, so I follow intermittent fasting, and I also follow, and I, I be, I'm saying this because I get asked this question all the time, like, what diet do you follow? I don't really follow a diet. Um, more so than intermittent fasting, I'd say I follow the concepts of emotional eating and, and learning to not eat my emotions, so to speak. And I have no problem saying that because I recovered from bulimia, which is a severe eating disorder. I, oh my goodness, I, um, don't know how I made it through some of those episodes and some years were really hard for me. Um, it was almost like an addiction. I, I actually had to treat myself like an addict to recover from bulimia. Um, but then I just started to um, really understand the connection between my emotions and particularly not expressing my emotions. So that's why I do a lot of artwork. I play the violin. I, um, I write a lot and uh, you know, I think that's, for me, that's life-saving. Um, I'll write a blog on my approach to eating. Um, I, I, it also involves a meditative approach. I will do that in the future, and you can read it at bloomingwellness.com. A lot of people ask me, it's just, it's not an easy answer. It's not like, oh, I do this, I do that. I kind of do a little bit of everything, but some things stand out as more important than others. Um, all right, that, that was the tangent of the episode. You guys know I have like two or three tangents an episode, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like incorporating elements of intermittent fasting into my lifestyle helped me achieve an ideal weight, helped me feel better, sleep better. Um, cognitively, I felt sharper, all of that. And like I said, we'll cover that in the future episode. But on this episode, he's going to talk about his latest study on intermittent fasting, specific health benefits, what diseases it might help for, what it doesn't help for, what we know, what we don't know, the differences between IF and plain old calorie restriction. What are they? How do you distinguish the health benefits between the two of those? Um, and he's also going to share his opinion on, well, hey, we have a lot of obesity in this country and other countries. Should people try intermittent fasting? Is there enough science to say, yeah, maybe we should try that to see if it can help put a dent in our obesity epidemic. All right, that said, let's connect with Dr. Chaya Kunapruk. 
All right, everybody on the line today, we will be chatting with Dr. Nathorn Chayakunapuk, and he did a really interesting study that was recently published in JAMA. Is that right? Yes, it's JAMA Network Open. Oh, well, nice. That's a, a great journal to get featured in. Um, and it's about intermittent fasting. And I was really excited when I saw this because I practice intermittent fasting. And um, when I read the results of the, of the study I, and the, you know, all of it, I was excited. So first of all, do you mind telling us a little bit about you and the work you do? Sure. Um, my name is uh, Natanchi Yakunapruk. Uh, um, basically, I'm a professor in uh, the Department of Pharmacotherapy, College of Pharmacy at the University of Utah. Uh, I'm doing uh, various kinds of research. One of them is, uh, is that I'm synthesizing evidence uh, to answer uh, some uh, health uh, care research question that I think is relevant and important uh, clinically. So I'm using this kind of evidence synthesis approach to answer the question related to intermittent fasting. So uh, basically, I, uh, I'm using umbrella review uh, to synthesize all evidence related to intermittent fasting on the outcomes that they have on uh, obesity-related outcomes. All right. I like the um, idea of an umbrella analysis. It's a good, it's a good image. Um, so you mentioned you're trying to capture an aggregate picture, basically, of the potential health benefits of intermittent fasting. Can we start out, though, by defining the different types of intermittent fasting? Sure. Um, intermittent fasting is uh, an umbrella term covering several types of diet. In our review, we categorize intermittent fasting into four types. The first one is zero calorie alternate day fasting, uh, basically alternating between days of regular eating and days of fasting with a zero calorie intake. The second one is modified alternate day fasting, uh, is uh, basically alternating uh, between days of regular eating and days of fasting, but you can still can eat up to 600 uh, kilocalorie per day. The third one is a five to two diet fasting with calorie intake up to 600 kilocalorie per day for one to two days per week. That's why the five to two day uh, diet comes from basically two days of that, either consecutively or non-consecutively for fasting. And the last one is time re restricted eating, uh, eating only in a window of time, like eight to 12 hours and fasting for the rest of the day. Perfect. Um, it's, and you know, when we, people hear the term intermittent fasting, I'm sure lots of different things come to mind. So I appreciate you, uh, taking us through those, those definitions. Now, if I understand your study correctly, you looked at a variety of health factors, uh, related to BMI, weight loss, metabolic factors, and their associate association with different types of intermittent fasting. Then you and your team graded the quality of evidence, checking for statistical significance and whatnot. And out of 104 associations, you and your team discovered seven that were supported by moderate to high evidence, and then six of them that were statistically significant. So if I got that right, or if I'm somewhere in the ballpark, I thought maybe we could focus on those seven 
associations and um, was wondering if you could elaborate on them. Sure. Uh, uh, first of all, we need to note that uh, out of the uh, many association, as you said, uh, uh, one of them is uh, consider high quality evidence and six of them uh, consider moderate quality evidence. And I'd like to emphasize a little bit more on high quality evidence means that the information that we have is quite robust uh, with a good uh, level of uh, confidence for us that we believe that is uh, very good and we can say that uh, with high confidence. So let's start with the high quality evidence first. Uh, uh, the first one is that uh, the uh, outcome is on the uh, bo um, a body mass index of the when we use uh, MADF, which is a uh, Modify alternate uh, day fasting for one to two months. It shows that it can reduce uh, BMI uh, by 1.2 uh, kilogram per meter square in healthy adults and adults with overweight, obesity, or someone with fatty livers. That is for the high uh, quality evidence. Uh, let's move on to the moderate quality evidence for MADF as well for basically uh, modify alternate day fasting. When we use it for two to three months, or even two to six months, either ways, it shows that it reduces body weight roughly about 1.5 kilograms in adults with uh, overweight or obesity. Another one is that uh, um, the uh, moderate uh, quality of evidence as well for MADF with the two to six months, it's some sort of reduced fat-free mass for 0.7 kilograms in adults with obesity. This might not be a good part, but we can talk more about that. But it's a part that basically reduces the lean mass of your body. Uh -huh. okay. uh, the other two outcomes that I like to talk about, uh, the other two uh, moderate uh, quality evidence is on zero calorie uh, ADF. Uh, it reduced the fat mass for 1.99 kilograms. And also another one is a five to two diet uh, for three to six months that reduced fasting insulin by uh, one milli uh, international unit per milliliter uh, in women with overweight or obesities. So okay. basically this kind of six associations that we have uh, found basically we summarize uh, them uh, and clearly demonstrate that one of them is a high uh, quality of evidence and the other uh, five is uh, on the moderate quality evidence. Okay, well, that sounds like good news. Um, so the study mentions that the MADF and the five to two diet were the only types of IF associate associated with a significant weight loss in people who had obesity or people who were overweight. Can you talk about what you define as significant weight loss? And also, did you follow these people for how long? Um, did you monitor any long-term effects? Yes, uh, basically significant weight loss uh, is defined as a 5% weight loss from the baseline weight. And uh, these studies, uh, first of all, it's not that we did follow up the patients ourselves. We summarized evidence from uh, uh, several studies that have been conducted before. Right. And the median follow-up period of time that has been followed up is about three months. 
And um, the longest studies that we have is uh, 24 months, but it's only uh, one study. Uh, so basically what we have information is uh, why still, I would say is still kind of a short term information to intermediate term. We don't really have the long-term outcomes uh, of the information on the uh, weight loss yet. Okay. Um, let's talk about the loss of fat-free mass, which you mentioned um, earlier. What does that mean in, in simple terms, you know, for people, everyday people to understand? And is that something that people should be concerned about? Fat-free mass obviously is lean mass, so it's a good mass that we found to be, unfortunately, uh, significantly reduced by uh, basically 0.7 kilograms uh, during two to six months of MADF. Uh, and this magnitude is, is quite small. So actually, it, it is not, there is no need to be concerned much. Uh, I believe that uh, uh, the, the use of IF, if it can be combined with the good exercise pattern, it may not have this kind of uh, negative effect, but this is a uh, negative outcomes that we found. I see. So if you combine it with uh, like weightlifting, for example. I, 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 yes, there is no evidence demonstrating that directly, but right. that's what I, I believe it should be that way. A hypothesis. <laughs> yes, my hypothesis, correct. <laughs> okay. Um, now, in general, people hit a plateau with IF. When did that set in from uh, your study and any ideas why? Um, and then my follow-up question to that would be, is there an optimal time period where a person would see the most benefit from intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting would be most beneficial as weight loss approach in the initial phase of one to six months. And most of the time, uh, I, mean, I mean, participants uh, in studies would frequently experience a plateau, particularly after six months of intermittent fasting. And basically we didn't see additional weight loss further achieved after that. Uh, a few reasons might be explaining that. One of them is that uh, the metabolic adaptation of our human body to that, and also the potential decreased adherence to the way uh, the SI weight loss strategy that they have been taken off. Maybe they are not adhering to the way they're managing uh, their intermittent fasting pattern. So uh, there are a combination of reasons that explain that, uh, that that's kind of only in the, the, is more like a plateau of the effect of the intermittent fasting. Mm, I see. Well, I mean, and you know, with a, with a lot of diet plans, uh, people end up hitting a plateau. So yeah, 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 that, that, yeah, that, that's kind of the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. How do you get over the plateau? That's a good research question. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a gold mine there. If you could figure that out. Um, so I know that uh, your particular study didn't look at IF as it relates to specific diseases, but I was wondering if you could comment on you know, maybe what the current evidence base looks like for that. Uh, uh, intermittent fasting research has been done in uh, healthy individuals and also in someone with diseases. Uh, but in two particular groups that we like to talk more is the IF on 
uh, a patient with uh, uh, diabetes. Uh, the IF basically was found to be um, as non-inferior to continuous energy restriction for glycemic control and weight loss. That's the first part on the diabetes. But the good news for the fatty liver, which is uh, very common nowadays, uh, uh, especially the, um, uh, with the, a lot of people with diabetes associated with that as well, because fatty liver uh, may occur in someone with metabolic syndrome. Uh, IF was found to lead to a better control of weight and also liver enzyme, lipid profile, and also a good outcomes of fatty liver disease itself. So that's pretty good news as well for the IF and fatty liver. Okay, that's amazing. I, I just this just popped in my head, and you may not know anything about this, or maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. But I thought they were thinking, or someone was researching how IF might work to help prevent, you know, um, all Alzheimer's disease or like the onset of dementia. Is there anything like that? That, that would be a, a very interesting question as well, but currently based on what we have looked at literatures, uh, we haven't seen much evidence on that thing yet, and that needs to be further investigated. Okay, okay. Um, so in your study, and, and this is a question I always have about IF, um, even though I practice it, you compared, well, the studies that you looked at compared um, IF to a regular diet and continuous calorie restriction, just cutting, cutting, cutting calories in general. When it comes to health effects, is there something special about IF? How, how do we weed out the effect of reducing calories from IF in terms of health benefits? Uh, unlike uh, regular calorie restriction, IF focuses on when foods it consumes and also the total quantity consumed. So during the fasting state, uh, basically it affects the liver metabolism. Uh, is, liver metabolism is changed and well lipid is used as a main energy source. And fasting itself also stimulates a better defense mechanism against oxidative stress and cellular repair. So there are some mechanisms beyond just uh, uh, benefits of a reduction of the food consumed, but also the benefit of fasting itself. Fascinating. Well, that's good news to, for everybody who uh, practices IF. Um, my last question for you, and thanks so much for your time uh, this evening. Um, the paper concludes that IF is associated with successful weight loss, and metabolic benefits in overweight adults and adults with obesity. In your opinion, and given our obesity epidemic here in the US and in, in other developed nations, where should we go from here? Uh, do more research, okay, but should folks you know, practice this or give it a try? Um, I believe that we have enough evidence to say that IF works in adults with overweight or obesity. Uh, in this population, more research though are needed to see in terms of the long-term benefit of IF and whether these uh, people can ad really adhere to these dietary strategies. In those who want to practice IF, there is no enough evidence to say what type of IF is the best. 
uh, therefore uh, choose the IF type which suits you the best and they then that you can really follow and don't forget to consult and talk to your physicians before you start your uh, IF uh, practice. Awesome. That's true too, because some people may um, do it wrong or follow a blog online or uh, just get wrong information. And um, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to see anyone dropping over. Um, are you, yeah. are you personally doing more research in this area? Yes, uh, we are uh, doing more research in this area in terms of uh, trying to find ways to implement it. Uh, we, we know that uh, IF uh, um, uh, may not be right for everyone, but uh, it's most important thing is, uh, is how challenging to adhere to the mm. implementing or using it. So yeah. we are doing research on that and try to uh, learn more about uh, what would be the best way uh, to implement or use it and adhering, especially in someone uh, with uh, overweight or, 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 um, or obese. Yeah. And, and this might be a good practice as well, an option for uh, clinicians to help uh, advising patients to improve uh, their lifestyle and be able to achieve the goal of their metabolic outcomes and also their weight control. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I always tell people this fact that, you know, the CDC labeled obesity an epidemic in the late 1990s, and we've only gone up in rates from there. So um, I think this is great news and it's backed by science and congratulations on, um, you know, your study getting in a great journal. Um, and thank you for your time today. It was really interesting. I learned some stuff too, and hopefully, you know, we could keep in touch. And if you find out that research on adherence, um, definitely come back on causes or cures. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. And enjoy the rest of your uh, evening there. Thank you. Have a good day. You Bye -bye. too. Bye-bye. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much for joining in to this episode of causes or cures. I found that interesting. I hope you guys did too. I hope you stick around, share the episode, subscribe, and thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who has subscribed to the podcast and shared it. Your support means a lot. Um, I have to say this podcast has grown a lot during the last year. Um, I mean, it's amazing. I, I'm surprised too because it was like sort of a, you know, side project, no budget. Um, I just really wanted to get interesting people on here and um, dive into the science and I do do my homework for each episode, um, so I can promise you that. But it's still interesting to see how much this little podcast has grown. Um, so thank you, and thank you for your support. I really do appreciate it. I hope you also check out bloomingwellness.com. I do write a lot there, a lot of public health musings, some essays, um, books, some books there. And um, yeah, till next time, guys, take care of yourselves. Take a moment for you, relax, and uh, enjoy life. Imagine more, play more, um, and yeah, maybe try intermittent fasting. I don't know. <laughs> All right, bye-bye.